Church wants to welcome all of you that are gathered here this morning and also those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning at First Church. Before we start our service, I do have several announcements. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to the praise team for the prelude this morning. Next Sunday will be ordination and installation of our new elder, trustee, and deacons. That will happen during our morning worship service next Sunday. There's a new women's Bible study starting on February 1st at Maria Lammer's house. She's sitting right back here, and if you have, need more information on that, you can find it in our bulletin or talk to Maria after church today. If you haven't signed up for your, for your free Right Now Media account, we encourage you to give it a try. There's information in the bulletin and also on our website that will get you signed up. Also today, Aaron Rohrbaugh, Sunday School class, will continue to meet in the Ministry Center this morning after our service this morning. There are other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now as we start our service this morning, all those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This morning is taken from Psalm 70. Hasten, O God, to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May those who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. 
May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, turn back because of their shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Please remain standing for opening hymn number 52. O God, our help in ages past. chat with Nikki Rohrball. Would the choir also assume their positions? Can you see where I am today? All right, grab a spot. Thank you so much. Okay. So today, we're talking about complaining. Come on! Complaining is so easy. It's so easy to get stuck on things that drag us down. Maybe things aren't going my way. Bummer. I got a hole in my sock. Bummer. My favorite toy got broken. Bummer. Soon I'm feeling pretty down. But God doesn't want us to get stuck there, saying bummer all the time. You know, it's kind of like when you're really frustrated and upset, and after a while, being really upset. Your mom just walks up to you and she says, is there something you need? Ah, it's so easy. It's so simple, but it's so hard. God is always listening when we pray. But after telling God what's going on, he wants to know, is there something that you need? Once we stop complaining and we start asking, God can do really great things. God wants to help. He doesn't want us to get stuck complaining. He wants us to ask for his help. We have a great big God that loves us very, very much. He wants to help us because he's good. 
and he always wants what's best for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for all of our kiddos. Help us learn to ask for help and always pray when we need something. Keep us healthy, keep us safe, and keep us strong. Amen.
Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, choir. What a great, great song to transition us into thinking and talking about prayer and how to lift up one another uh, to the Lord. You know, prayer really is about surrendering ourselves to God, surrendering ourselves and our lives and our families to Him and to His will. And that's what we do when we pray. We, we, we offer ourselves and our situations up and we say to the Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And, and that, uh, that song, the combination of those two songs is a great, great reminder of what that is all about. So as we turn our attention to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to remind you to continue to be in prayer for our church family, our communities, uh, prayer for those that are in the prayers and concerns list. Uh, again, with that list, we want to, I want to encourage you as a, a regular reminder to, to let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can lift one another up to the Lord in prayer. So if you have a specific need or your family has a need uh, that, that you want prayer for, uh, please let us know. We want to be praying for you. You know, the, the, the goal of that list isn't to single anyone out or single out situations. It's a, it's a way for us as a church family to love and support one another. And one of the best ways we can do that is by, by lifting each other up in prayer. So please, if you have something going on and you like prayer, let us know. We can include your name there. Um, even if you're maybe not comfortable or not ready to, to put your name or put your family in there, please let us know because I want to be praying for you, even if we don't put your name in the bulletin. So this is an invitation as well to just reach out to me, reach out to the church office. Let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can be lifting each other up in prayer. And even if we don't you know, publish it in the bulletin, I still want to be praying for you and lifting you up. So uh, please let us know how we can be praying for you in that way. Um, the other encouragement as well is that even if we don't know exactly what's going on in each other's lives or the specific situation, God knows and he can lift. And, and as we lift up our prayers, God knows what we're talking about. He knows it better than we do. And, and we can find confidence in that, that God is a God who hears us and responds to our prayers. So that's my encouragement, my invitation to you this morning as we think about prayer to, to be praying for one another, to not be afraid to ask for prayer and to, to certainly go to the Lord in prayer because he knows what our needs are. So with that in mind, I want to encourage you to be praying for one another. Pray for our designated offerings uh, that, are, that we are collecting for this morning. Our offering today goes to support Auglaise County Crisis Center and the Auglaise County Group Home. So, so any, any donations that you give today on your way out of the sanctuary will go to support those, those mission projects. And if you are listening on the radio or watching on Facebook, I encourage you to go to our church website, firstchurchnk.org, and you can give online to those projects as well. Um, with that in mind, I want to invite the praise team forward for our next praise song um, and invite you all to stand if you're able to do so. Our next song is a new praise song called Build My Life. and invite you to stand and join with us as we praise the Lord together.
Pray, for, pray with me. Father, you are certainly worthy of every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise that we could ever bring, because you are good and you are worthy of all the praise. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning as one body, as your, as your body here this, in this place, and ask, Lord, that you would help us to see your goodness and your glory. Father, we, we thank you that you are here in this place that your spirit is present and that you are that you are here to hear our prayers and lift them up to you. We've been talking a lot these past few weeks about what it means to lament, what it means to to bring our concerns and our, our and cry out to you, Lord. And in all of that in our in our hardships and our difficulties in our in our pain and our grief, we know that you are God, that you are good. And that's what gives us the confidence. And that's the invitation, Lord, to lament, is, is knowing that you are a good God who hears us. And so today, as we talk about what it means to move past that complaining and move past that and, and, and trust you, Lord, help us to, to not just know that in our head, but experience it and understand it in our hearts as well. That you are a God who loves and cares for your people and that you are certainly worthy of our praise this morning. And so, Lord, we come to you knowing all of that to be true. We lift up our prayers and concerns to you. For those that are in need of healing, we ask that you would, you would heal. For those that are, are in need, we ask for your provision, that you would meet their needs, Lord. And in all things and in all ways, would you be glorified, Lord, in, in each and every situation. Lord, each one of us carries burdens, we carry concerns, we carry distractions into this place this morning. Whether they're here physically in this room, whether people are listening on the radio or watching on Facebook, Lord, we each carry our own, our own burdens here. And so, Lord, we, we accept your invitation to lay them at your feet and take up your yoke, which is easy, and your burden, which is light. So, Lord, help us to do that today. We entrust all these situations to your care knowing perfectly well that your will is what's best for us. And so we pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Sharon comes forward for a scripture reading today. Today's scripture is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring liars, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to the people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you, comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all of the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust and kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, He has done it. Thank you so much for the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have given us your word, uh, which is good and true for us in all occasions. As we look at continue to look at passages like Psalm 22 today, passages that are full of 
emotion and, and questions and, and lament, Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. Lord, help us to see your goodness and especially your faithfulness as we talk about what it means to continue the process of lament. We pray these things in Christ's name this morning. Amen. So I was thinking about um, how, to, how to continue on this series here this morning and, and, and what kind of illustration I wanted to share with you about what it means to, to really ask boldly. I sat around and I thought to myself, you know, who, what's, what's an everyday example people can, can relate to and understand where, where people are just unafraid to just boldly ask for what they want? And honestly, I couldn't think of any better example than kids writing letters to Santa. Right? I know some of you parents out there, grandparents, you know what I'm talking about here, right? We've read cards, letters, wish lists, right, that, that kids put together and, and give, right, and, and send to Santa Claus. And they are bold, aren't they? They're not afraid to ask for what they want, right? I, I, I even kind of Googled and looked up funny examples of, of letters to Santa. And, and there's everything from, you know, new video games, new computers, new phones, right? What does an eight-year-old need a new iPhone for, right? Um, people are asking for younger brothers and sisters. So they're asking Santa to get rid of their younger brothers and sisters, right? There's all sorts of bold requests. And I thought to myself, why do, why do kids especially, right, feel so um, uh, encouraged and equipped, right, to ask Santa for these outrageous, sometimes outrageous gifts and outrageous requests? Well, because they believe that he can answer those things, right? They believe that Santa can follow through and provide what they want and what they need at Christmas time. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, right? We all know that we ask for things for Christmas and sometimes we don't get them. That's Reality, but kids in particular are just so bold when it comes to making requests like that. And I, like I said, I think the reason for that boldness, the reason why they're not afraid, is because they believe that their their requests, that their their um, what they ask for, will be in fact given to them. Now I, I hold that thought for just a second because I'm going to circle back around to that. We've been talking so far these last couple of weeks about how lament is really a form of prayer, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a model, an example for how we can pray to God. And so far we've talked about approaching God honestly and laying out our complaints. And this brings us to a turning point now in the process that I alluded to last week. The question before us is, if once we bring our complaints to God, once we honestly lay them at his feet, what are you going to do now? Right? What's the next step? How a, rep- how a person responds in this moment really says a lot about who they believe God is and what they think God can do for them. Lament, as, I've, as I said all along, is an exercise in trust. And this part here, this turning point that we're going to talk about today, is really where rubber hits the road. Everything we've done so far has brought us to this point of decision. Is your pain, right, the hardships that you experience, the grief and the sorrow in your heart, or the, or the circumstances in the world around you, are you going to allow those things to bring you closer to God or to drive you further away? And so if you want to draw near to God, then, we're ready for, then you're ready for the next step of lament, the next part of the process. After approaching God in prayer, after godly complaint, comes the invitation to ask boldly, to ask God boldly for what you want to see in that time of need. Now think again about those kids and their requests at Christmas time, right? Why were they so bold? Because they believed that Santa could fulfill the requests. They believe that if they ask and if they're on the nice list, right, then Santa will give them what they want. Their belief about Santa, about who he is and what he can do for them, makes them even more bold in that moment. Do you see where I'm going, going with this? Let me ask you a, a different kind of question. What does your prayer life, in particular about lament, but, but prayer, your prayer life in general, what does that say about who you believe God is and what he can do for you? What would someone 
an anonymous person learn about God if they had access to your prayers? The prayers you speak out loud, the prayers that you write down in a journal, the prayers that you just say only in the silence of your heart. If someone had access to those things, what would they learn about God from your prayers? That's a, I think that's a pretty hard-hitting question. And, and the reason that's difficult is because, because prayer is often very personal and for a lot of us, a very private thing. It's uncomfortable for many people to pray out loud with others or in front of other people. And so, so they prefer to pray silently instead and, and keep those prayers to themselves. I heard a story recently about a father and son who were out running errands on a Saturday. Right? They, were, they were hopping from shop to shop, picking up what they needed for their, their projects at home. And, and they decided to go to their favorite dinner, diner for lunch, um, you know, a place like Main Street, right? And so the father and his young son, maybe no more than six or seven, walk in and, and the dad takes his usual spot at the countertop and he helps his, his young son up and, and the, he sits on the stool next to him. After the waitress brings the food and sets it down in front of them, the dad looks down at his son, you know, not really wanting to pray out loud. He says, you know what, you know what, son, let's just pray silently in our hearts. And so they close their eyes. And after a moment, the the dad opens them again and and notices that his son still has his eyes shut tight. And so he didn't want to interrupt his son's prayer. So he just waited and waited and waited a little bit longer and after a few minutes, the, the son kind of slowly opens his eyes, cautiously looks at his dad and sees that his eyes are open and then quickly begins to eat his food. The dad can't help himself. And so he asks, what were you praying about for so long? And his son looks at him kind of confused and says, I don't know, dad, we were praying silently. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> you know, there's this, this idea that, that when we pray silently, we keep it to ourselves, right? But what if... What if someone had access to your prayers, even the ones that you offered silently in your heart for no one else to hear? I would assume that most of us would be pretty uncomfortable sharing our prayers with other people. But again, let me ask you this question. What would someone learn from your prayer life? Imagine a person with no prior knowledge about God or the Bible, faith, or anything like that. A completely blank slate. Imagine that person had access to your prayers. They had a book that recorded every prayer that you've ever offered to God. What would they learn? Not about you, not worried about that, but what would they learn about God from your prayers? Would they deduce that God is faithful, a loving father who's concerned for his children? Or would they believe that the God that we worship is uncaring and far off and distant? A God who's unconcerned about our needs and what's happening in the world. You see, I believe that how we pray makes a statement about what we believe, and particularly what we believe about God. And the reason I bring all this up here today is because the Psalms, right, what we've been looking at so closely these past few weeks, are the prayers of God's people. And we can learn a lot about God from what we read there, especially the Psalms of Lament. And what do these things teach us about God? Well, if you've been reading along with us and following along, we see that laments, even in the laments, we see a God who is faithful, a God who is compassionate, a God who's able to hear our complaints and respond according to his will and according to his character. All of the laments in the book of Psalms, with just a few exceptions, move past the complaint stage. Right? They move past the complaints and into the next step, which we're talking about today, which is to ask boldly for God's help in your particular situation. The Psalms, and particularly the laments, show us a God who is faithful to his people, even when they're not faithful to him. They show a God who is holy, righteous, and just, and will not tolerate evil forever. They show a God who is compassionate to a thousand generations and hears the cries of his people. Right? That's what lament in the Bible teaches us. That's what these prayers that we're studying teach us about God. And that's what enables us then to have the confidence to move past complaint and to ask boldly for God's help. And so let's take a look at Psalm 22. Again, just as we've done before, we're not going to be looking at the specific details of this psalm and, and, and focusing in on, on, uh, on that level. We're looking, this, looking at this as a model for how to lament 
but we will talk a little bit about Psalm 22 here. First of all, this psalm starts off with very familiar words. As you heard Sharon read this this morning, and, and she read it very well, actually, Sharon, the way that you uh, emphasized uh, the emotion in the psalm was really powerful. And those opening words should be familiar to us that have studied the Bible and, and, and been around church for a while. These are the words that Jesus himself quoted from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are really important words, right? When Jesus said that, he wasn't lost in despair. He wasn't, he wasn't um, uh, going off the deep end. What Jesus was doing in that moment as he hung on the cross was quoting Scripture. In fact, quoting a very powerful lament. It's significant that Jesus relied on Scripture at especially important and pivotal moments of his life. He quoted Psalm 22 as he hung on the cross. At the start of his ministry, he quoted Scripture each time the enemy tempted him in the wilderness. Again, maybe a very familiar story for you. If you, if you want to read up on it, it's in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, I believe. But when, when the enemy is, is tempting Jesus out in the wilderness, right? It's, it's Scripture that Jesus relies on in each one of those instances. The enemy tells him to turn stones into bread, and Jesus responds by saying, man, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father's mouth. The, the enemy tempts him to throw himself from the temple to, for God to rescue him, and Jesus responds by saying, do not test the Lord your God. In the third temptation, bow down, Satan telling Jesus, bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We see both at the beginning of his ministry and the temptation in the wilderness, and at the end of his ministry as he hung on the cross, it was scripture that Jesus relied on in those difficult moments. How much more do we or should we rely on scripture when we're facing difficult moments, when we're facing temptation, when we're facing the pain and suffering and agony of loss, right? It's Scripture that we need to rely on in those moments. If Jesus needed it, then so do we, right? Because we are certainly not Jesus. Jesus demonstrated what it looks like to be reliant on Scripture. And Psalm 22 here is an example of that. And so as Jesus quoted those words from the cross, I'm sure that these, these truths that are encapsulated in Psalm 22 were in his mind as well. And there's three important passages that I want us to highlight here to think about what we're talking about when we, say, when we talk about asking God boldly. If you were to skim through that passage once again, there's, there's three verses that begin with, uh, in, in verse 3 we have yet, in verse 9 we have yet, and in verse 20, um, oh I lost it here just a second, in verse 19, we see, but those three conjunctions are extremely important to what we're talking about here today. Because we see, right, the psalmist is, is crying out to God and complaining, right? He feels like God has abandoned him and has forsaken him to his enemies. But in those moments of complaint, he doesn't stay there. He doesn't wallow in that pain and that doubt and, that, and those questions. He allows his mind and his heart to refocus itself on God. So let me just give you an example real quickly, quickly of those first opening verses. We see, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I find no rest. Yet, you notice that? Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In your ancestor, in you our ancestors put their trust they trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. Do you see what's happening there? There's this, there's this complaint. There's this sorrow. There's this pain, a feeling of abandonment. But in that moment, he doesn't stay there. He makes this transition to, to put his hope in God. And it's grounded firmly in God's character and His will as it's revealed in Scripture. He's relying here on God's faithfulness. He says, you were, God, you were faithful in the past. My ancestors trusted you and you saved them. So I'm relying on you to save me here now too. It's this all-important transition, this all-important 
yet, if you want to say that. I figured that was much more appropriate than saying an all-important but in church. Um, all-important yet, right, that, that God is doing here, that, that we have demonstrated for us here in the Psalms. I said a few weeks ago that lament is purposeful. Complaining is not an end in itself, right? That's not, lament is not a dead-end street. It's, a, it's meant to be a bridge that brings us from our pain into the presence of God and His Word and His promises and the hope that that brings. Hebrews 6.19 says that hope is an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Right? Hope is an anchor. It holds us steady and keeps us tethered to God. And it's hope not in terms of wishful thinking, but it's hope that's grounded firmly and securely in who God is and, and His will and His character as it's revealed to us in Scripture. Right? That's where our hope lies. It's an anchor that, that keeps us from drifting too far away from God, that keeps us from drifting aimlessly in despair and pain and grief. It gives us something to hold on to in the middle of that. And what we're holding on to is the promises of God, His character, His goodness, His justice. Right, so where does our hope come from? Where, what are we anchored to? Well, it comes from a relationship with God and a knowledge of His Word. These next words are probably going to be familiar to most of you, I hope. They're not words from Scripture, but they're words from the Heidelberg Catechism. Right? What is our only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong in body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? That's the comfort we have. That's the hope that we have. That we belong to Him no matter what. Even in death, we belong to Him. So it comes out of our relationship with Him, but it also comes from the knowledge of God's Word. Again, as I've mentioned already, this, this book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, has been a great resource as I've prepared this, this uh, sermon series. And, and a lot of what uh, we're talking about has come from this. It's a fantastic book. And one of the terms he uses here is, is that hope, excuse me, hope springs from truth rehearsed. Let me say that again. Hope springs from truth rehearsed. In other words, our hope is anchored in the truth of God and not our circumstances. But we cannot know and experience that hope. It doesn't do us any good if we don't know the truth of God's Word. That's why we need Scripture. That's why we need the Bible. And not just in times of emergencies, but in, everyday, in an everyday foundational kind of way. Because our hope comes from that. It comes from reminding ourselves of the promises of God, reminding ourselves of the truth of God's Word, so that when those times come, when the dark clouds do come, when the waves start to, to toss you around, right? that's where that anchor is of help, because it's already there and already secure. And again, we're back to the idea of lament. This brings us to the all-important lesson here. Our complaints move us. They point us in the direction to then ask boldly. And we need to make sure that we're asking also according to God's will, not our own. That's why God's word is so important. right? As we, as we ask God boldly to work in a situation, we need to make sure that what we're asking is in accordance with God's will and character. We need to know God and know his word if we're going to boldly ask God to help according to it. So again, real bri briefly, I want to I want to mention here the the three parts in Psalm 22 that demonstrate that for us. I've already talked about the first one, right, where where the psalmist feels abandoned and then he reminds himself that God is enthroned and has been a help in the past. The second transition we see in verses six through eight, right, the psalmist is mocked and ridiculed. So he reminds himself that God created him and has been with him his entire life. And here we see one of the first bold requests. He says, do not be far from me. In fact, that same request is repeated in, verse, uh, in, that, in that third transition, beginning in verse 19. Be not far from me. Now think about what he's asking here. He's saying he feels abandoned, that, that, that God is gone, that he has no sense or understanding of God's presence in the situation. But then he's turning around and asking God, don't, don't be far away from me. Do you sense the tension there in that passage, in that request? I talked last week about attention and lament of, of being 
uh, of us experiencing a sinful, broken world that doesn't always line up with God's will and God's kingdom, right? There's one sense of tension in the complaint, but there's another kind of tension in the request. There's the, there's the experience of what we're going through, feeling abandoned, feeling despair, feeling mocked and ridiculed, and then at the same time acknowledging and asking God to be there in the middle of it. You see what I'm talking about? That's the kind of bold request that the laments invite us to make. And it's in line with God's character because what, what the psalmist is relying on is the, the promise repeated over and over again in Scripture that God will not forsake or abandon His people. The point of these requests is not, not that we'll always have our needs met, but it's that we will learn to rely more fully on God, right? And, and we see that scripturally as well. I, I've, I've, this is one of my favorite passages to go to because I think it's so important for us to, to reorient. It helps us reorient, reorient our thoughts in a very powerful way. And that's the story of Paul's, Paul and the thorn in his flesh, which is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, Paul, Paul has this, this problem he's facing. It could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be emotional, it could be situational. He's not clear. But he describes it as a thorn in his flesh. And it says that he prayed that God would remove that thorn. That's his bold request, right? He's, he's crying out to God, he's complaining, and then he says, Lord, remove this from me. But God doesn't do it, right? God says, it, God, God allowed that thorn to remain in order that Paul would realize that God's grace is sufficient for him, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul realized that whole time that it wasn't about the circumstances being, him being removed from the circumstances. The answer to the prayer, the answer to that bold request was that, was that Paul was able to further and more completely rely on God and be dependent on his grace. There's lots of other examples in the Psalms for what asking boldly looks like. Um, I want to read just a quick list of examples. I don't expect you to be able to follow along here because I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to go to each one of them in turn, but I want to give you an example of some other bold requests we see in the, in the Lament Psalms. In Psalm 10:12, the request is, Arise, O Lord, in a sense, come to help, right? In Psalm 60, the psalmist says, Grant us help. Uh, And further on down the list, remember your covenant. Let justice be done. Don't remember our sins. Restore us. Don't be silent. Teach me. Vindicate me. Right? Those are all the different kind of bold requests that we see right there in Scripture. Which then gives us an example to follow. Gives us an opportunity to ask boldly ourselves. And so I want to close our time here encouraging you why we're able to do this. Again, the Psalms are, are, are great examples, great models to follow. But maybe Psalm 22 doesn't speak to your situation. You may be facing something very different, very unique. But what we can do is follow the example that has been given to us. And so whatever you may face, know that God wants you to approach him right, in prayer. God wants you to have the confidence and trust to complain honestly. But he wants you to move past that. He wants you to also ask boldly for God to work in that situation. And there's a couple reasons we can have the confidence to do that we see in the New Testament. One is that God is a loving Father who cares for His children. In Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, we get this very familiar passage about, um, about prayer where He says that we can ask, seek, and knock. When we ask, it will be given to us. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, the door will be opened. And then he goes on to say this in Matthew 7, beginning of verse 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You catch that there? How much more, right? If we who are evil, who are sinful, who are broken, are able to give good gifts to our children, how much more will a perfect good, gracious, compassionate, holy, just, righteous God give good gifts to His children when they ask. Right? So we can ask boldly because we know that God is a loving Father who wants to give good gifts to us. Now it's important to to recognize, right, and define good. 
We might have an idea of what we think is good, right? But we need to trust that what God says is good is better than what we may think is good, right? And so it's important for us to let God define that. What is good? Sometimes the experiences we go through, sometimes the hardships we face don't seem good in the moment. But if God truly is a loving Father, if He is who He says He is in Scripture, if He is faithful, then we can trust that He can make good come out of it. And it may not be the good we want or expect, but we need to trust that it is, in fact, good. The second reason we have confidence to ask boldly is that we know, first, that God is our loving Father, and second, that Jesus is a faithful high priest who's always interceding for us. In Hebrews chapter 4, Uh, Verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, right? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right? Jesus, he had just gotten done talking about Jesus as our high priest who is perfect and obedient and is interceding for us. And he says that then gives us the, the confidence to approach God in those times of need. So not only is God a loving father, but we have our brother, Jesus Christ, interceding for us. We have an advocate before the Father who is there even now pleading for us. I don't know about you, but that gives me the confidence to then approach God and and ask for His help in our time of need. I want to close with reminding you of that the, the caveat, and I want, and I, and I think this is so important for us because we can sometimes get lost in this conversation about asking God boldly for things. There are some people who will say, if you just have enough faith, you can ask God for whatever you want, whatever you want, and He'll give it to you. But what we see more, the testimony of Scripture is not that, not that if we just ask God for anything, that He'll give it to us like He's some sort of magic genie or some sort of heavenly, you know, a, a vending machine. But what we see is that when we ask boldly according to God's will, right? When we ask boldly for things that are in line with his character, that's when we see our prayers answered. And we have, again, no better example for what that looks like than Jesus himself. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus was in the garden praying, right? And he had, he had gone off by himself and he was so overcome with anxiety and grief that it says that he was literally sweating blood. Because he knew what was about to happen. He knew that he was about to be betrayed. He knew that he was about to be arrested and beaten and crucified. And so he knelt down in the garden and, and in, the, in the moment of his grief and in the moment of his, of his anxiety and stress, he cried out to his Father in heaven and he said, if there is any other way to do this, if it is possible, please take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. That's asking boldly, right? That's, that's laying it all out honestly in front of God and saying, God, if there's any other way for this to happen, if there's any possible circumstances that can be changed, please do it. But not my will, but yours be done. That is what it means at the heart. That's at the heart of what it means to ask boldly. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you that you invite us, Lord, to come to you in prayer, to not only uh, dump our stuff at your feet, Lord, but to ask boldly for you to work because we know that you are a faithful and good God who does respond and who does work according to your will. Lord, help us to trust you enough to submit ourselves to your will, whatever that may be for our lives. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we close our service of worship in song and sing the next praise song, Cornerstone. The words are in your bulletin.
bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. friend. 